Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Today is our special guest day, where we will hear from a friend of the ministry, who will share their insight and stories on truth in this chaotic world. And now your host, Richard Case. Well, good morning, uh, everybody. Um, we are uh, excited to be here on Guest Thursday, and this is part two with Denny Weinberg, who's a Messianic Jew, and uh, Denny's been uh, giving us great insight into the, uh, first of all, how you know the Jewish families in America typically operate and uh, how he came to know Christ with his hunger to know the truth, and that's kind of a neat thing, Denny, that uh, God honored that because you had a heart to hear the truth, and he got it to you, you know, and <laughs> you received it, so... That's pretty exciting. Uh, we've been discussing the uh, Israel-Hamas war, and um, as Denny kind of started it, he helped us understand something that really I, because of the way it's been reported, I really didn't appreciate, but that is that um, for what would you say, Denny, what, two generations now of uh, people in, in Gaza? Gaza, remember, is south part of Israel next to Egypt, and then there's Jordan uh, would be on the uh, east side of that. Um, you said something that kind of hit me, and I didn't realize it. Uh, it did explain something, because I did understand, and I had a question. Uh, they don't travel. <laughs> they're not allowed to travel. They can't just go to Egypt. They don't go to Israel. They don't go to Jordan. They don't go anywhere um, because of their their identity as a terrorist group, right? Yes, uh, and, and their lack of identity with any of the other countries. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if there's, if there's an Egyptian in Gaza, working in Gaza, that person can travel back and forth. If there's an Israeli that's working in Gaza, that person can travel back and forth. And actually, there are people that live in Gaza that work and are known in Israel. They can travel back and forth. Okay. But they are connected. Okay. Um, and we do know that the uh, the area is called Sunni, which would be what Jordan and Egypt are. But they, because of their extremism, they really don't allow them to be part of their Sunni, you know, approach. Right. Well, I think they're they see uh, that that um, uh, many of these uh, many of the many many of the residents of Gaza are dangerous. They see the same thing Israel does, that why would we want them in our streets? Because they're not trained to do anything. They have been um, they have been trained up to be haters and killers. And that's and that's all. And they're um, they've destroyed their you know, they've made nothing of their own land, which is beautiful. You think about this. This is Mediterranean coastland, almost the entire mm -hmm. Gaza. It's gorgeous. This would be a resort with almost anyone else you know, there to make something of it. And they're, you know, because their view is, you know, we have been, we're, we're exiled in this beautiful place. And so it's somebody else's fault. They're just filled with hatred. And that's been promoted family by family um, for a couple of generations and probably lost even the reason why it's just built into their, who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you said something that, uh, that really hit me as well is that um, typically in a war, 
uh, and there's refugees who would like to escape the, the war itself, uh, countries around them tend to take them on. Um, it happens, you know, happens in uh, Europe. It happened in, you know, with uh, uh, Russia, et cetera. But, and I wondered because I did notice that Egypt and Jordan wouldn't take any refugees. Um, and remember, it's being portrayed that they're kind of innocents just caught up in, in a battle between their military people and Israel, and they're just innocent bystanders. Uh, and I said, I wonder why they won't take them. Um, well, you explained it. It's <laughs> because they're, all, they're mm-hmm. all in that ilk of, 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 of terrorists and with a desire to kill people, including even those in Egypt and, and uh, uh, Jordan. So they really have nowhere to go, so to speak. And, uh, but they're not innocent. Uh, they're really part of the fabric of the terrorism against Israel, particularly, uh, and everybody, that they have like two and a half million people. They all really kind of buy into that, right? Yeah, and you could say the young people are victims of it. Maybe even the middle-aged people are victims of it. But it began somewhere and it became part of the cultural development of kids when you have kids. I mean, you know, you hear these stories about ki- kids being birthed for si- solely for the purpose of, uh, of uh, terrorism. Mm. And, you know, we, we love our children. We, wanna, we want our children to do better than, than um, we did. And it's so embedded in our cultural norms. It would never occur to us that there could be a civilization that has evolved that way. And so it is, it's terribly sad. There's plenty of victims of all of that. You just, cause mm. you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a victim of the things my parents failed to do. Can you imagine if your parents, you know, des- basically reared you to kill, you know, your neighbors, that was the mm-hmm. only purpose in being born. Yeah. You're a victim of that. Yeah. So given that, um, and Israel got attacked, uh, where they, you know, they typically, uh, Kathy and I portray it as, you know, Iran and Hezbollah and Hamas, you know, in the past, past 10 years or so, they've been nuisances. <laughs> so they, they lob, they lab missiles once in a while and they, you know, they remind everybody they're there and if they can kill some people, that'd be great. But, but they never really attacked them like they did in October where they did a ground operation. They, they sent like three or 4,000 missiles at once, killed a lot of people, you know, went to, uh, concerts and killed people and have hostages and they they really uh had a gigantic attack on israel um and of course israel responded with okay that's it you know and uh and we're going after you we're, and we're going to annihilate you i mean that's that's what we hear from them so give us perspective on what is israel thinking and doing and where the state of the war is and what do they do because ultimately, if what you're saying, and again, I'm just looking at it purely logically, wouldn't they have to destroy the entire area and all the people in the area if they're really going to eliminate terrorism from that area? Help us help us understand that. Yes, yeah, so I was told something very interesting on in one of my conversations with one of these folks over there. He said, um, and, and I don't know that we really quite uh, appreciated this in the United States. If you remember, Netanyahu was was a borderline popular leader there. And uh, there's, you know, they're not just a two party country. They have multiple parties yep. and you can't <laughs> unless you are able to bring a coalition 
of, of, uh, of over 50% and build a parliament. We build a government every time you're elected. Yeah. And all it takes is a vote of no confidence and that whole process starts over. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Netanyahu was able to cobble together a government. It was very, very difficult for him the last time. There's a lot of opposition to him. And for a lot of reasons, but some of the reasons had to do with international issues and, you know, relations with the United States, all that. There's all those normal things. When this war broke out, and, and it's very, very tense between the parties, just like it is in the United mm -hmm. States. There's just more of them. Uh, when this war broke out, one of the first things Israel did was they gathered together all of the parties. This happened within a couple of days. Try and picture this. They gathered together all the parties and they created a what they call a unity government. Mm -hmm. Except for a unity government to be um, to be formed, it means that every single faction has to agree up front and they sign a contract wow. that has all the principles, all of them. And they did that within three days. Wow. So mm -hmm. even though Netanyahu was agreed to lead this. He's bound by the terms of that contract. Picture this. When, when a president in the United States you know, is elected, that he's, he and Congress are forced to sign a contract that says, here's the things we stand for, and, and if we don't fulfill them, we're out. <laughs> they do that. <laughs> so what we have now is a government that has basically discarded all partisanism, all, because they're going to win this war. Mm -hmm. that's how, that's the, that is how um, committed... Israel is. Mm. It's hard to fathom when you think about how government works. They're hard to fathom. Mm -hmm. So they are going to win this war above everything. If they have to transform their entire economy, if the people there have to, you know, like we did in World War One, darn socks and, you know, all of our factories are going to be converted to military. If that's what it takes, that's what they'll do. And there's a hundred percent agreement across the country mm -hmm. because all politicians agree. Yeah. Wow. So when they say we're going to destroy Hamas, I guess whatever they define as destroying Hamas, they're not going to stop till they're done. Yeah. He said. Yeah. So so when you think about that, um, by the way, that's that's kind of new information. I, I knew that they had come together. I didn't realize it was it was actually a formal thing. Mm -hmm. um, and when on the other side of that, Danny, will there be? Is there a place or a time when they could say, okay, we fulfilled this unity government, we can go back to not agreeing anymore? Um, yes, I think, that's, I think that's what he was saying. You know, this guy had supported one of the other uh, um, parties. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember which. He's, he, he's, a, he's a very conservative guy, but he didn't support Netanyahu's party. Once this is fulfilled, I think that's exactly what will happen. They'll go back to their mm -hmm. factions. And there probably will be a call for the removal of Netanyahu, according to him. And they'll go through this all over again. Yeah. Once there's a call for uh, a no, no, uh, no, um, no confidence, vote of no confidence. No, yeah. so they have a no confidence vote triggers it. And it's, so it's not like you got terms of office and all that. You go until there's a no vote of no mm -hmm. confidence. There's a whole process for that to happen. You can't, it's not like what happened in the U.S. House of Representatives where one vote calls for you got to throw out the speaker. It's more sophisticated than that. But once that happens, they've got to. And if it's legit, they've got to try and form, somebody's got to try and form a new government. Yeah. And Kathy, I don't, know if, I don't know if you remember, but we we actually talked about this process because uh, there was another prime minister that had, co had gotten a part, you know, the, the 50 percent together. Right. And because he, he didn't follow through on what he committed to for these other parties, they put a vote of no then confidence, they and, him and again, they forced right. they forced a, a new government. You got to, mm -hmm. and it's not like, well, yeah, but 
let's give it some time. It was it. A new government mm-hmm. has to be formed. It's- because he didn't follow the commitment. So it's not like, hey, I don't like you. No confidence. So, mm-hmm. you know, which is how, kind of how, what we deal with. It's all emotion and party politics as opposed to there's, a, there's, a, there's an agreement to mm-hmm. how to run the government. You either stick with it or you fail. And then you deal right. with consequences each way, either way. Okay, so uh, given that, uh, and they're all committed to it, what have you gotten anybody to help you understand what does that look like if they say, well, we're going to win the war? What, how, how are they at least at the moment thinking about that? What would determine if in their minds they won the war? I think what we don't hear or think about is that the answer to that question is about the next step and, a co- and an international coalition. We think that what they're saying is we're going to go fight and then somebody's going to have to deal with the aftermath. Math. They're thinking the only way to declare victory is there is a successor that they trust that can rebuild Gaza because uh, there's no way for these people oh, to go. Interesting. And they know they have a sense of who that coalition needs to be. And it's heavily Arab, but it's Arabs that are that they can deal with, that are mm-hmm. mature, that are that are successful countries. And uh, right. And so that's that's in their thinking. So that's that, what he. So that that's means that they have to make sure that there's no, uh, let's say, voices saying, no, we're going to we're going to reform up and we're going to be what we've been. Uh, so they got to get rid of those people. And then the the population has to have at least a willingness to let this new coalition say, hey, we're going to benefit you if, 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 and you need to support what we're doing and don't go back to your terrorist activity and destroy everything that we're just about ready to do if you'd be willing to accept it, right? Is that, is that how it's going to go or have yeah. to go? And of course, you know, there's always the, if you just, if you just stop saying Israel's got to be wiped away, just accept mm-hmm. Israel. That's the only thing that Israel wants out of this. Just mm-hmm. accept it as a country, as a, uh, a sovereign country. Yeah. You know, they've worked, out, they've worked out Jerusalem. So this is not religious because, as you know, Jerusalem is, you know, is already, you know, in quadrants based on making sure that the spiritual side of this is solved. It's been solved for a long time. So it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And so... Um... I'll say one other thing that, that uh, in one of these conversations, they're also not just thinking about Gaza. They also are already in their heads fighting war, war, the war on three fronts, and they intend to win on all three and solve all three the same way. Okay. Oh, so, that's fascinating. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is that um, – uh, and before I get to that next question, so the, the coalition would be, uh, let's say, Saudi Arabia and Israel and U.S. who are willing to put money into this, Right. Dubai, the Emirates, right? Those countries too. And they would put money into it and say, let's rebuild yep. your economy and make your place beautiful and mm-hmm. productive and give you jobs and give you income and stability. And you're, they're hoping that the population would say, yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly how, as I understand it, Rich. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, okay. Because it also deals with the worldwide um uh, messaging that solution you just described who could say that's punitive who could say that's genocide that's basically billions of dollars being poured in and resources and 
intelligence and industry, right? Yeah. You can imagine all kinds of worldwide contracts with low for low skilled workers being trained to be, you know, factory workers and then, you know, uh, you know, service employees and manufacturers. And, you know, you could just picture how it happens and it probably would take 50 years. But yeah, it took for Israel. Yeah, that's interesting. So how would they define the win? He he defined and, I'm you know, I didn't ask it that way, Kathy, but I think he would say they would define the win as the coalition gets formed the agreement on what we're all going to do together gets agreed to and the um, whoever and, and whoever is representing Palestine mm-hmm. surrenders to that. Okay. Yeah. Or Gaza, I'd yeah. say. Gaza and, then, the and then the proof of that would be they stop fighting with uh, attacks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know how to rebuild. Yeah. Our problem, of course, is they're the, they're the puppets. And so, Mm-hmm. You know, for that to really work somehow, you know, you got what, how do you deal with Iran in all of that? And so mm. those same countries, you know, they're, they're essentially at war with Iran, too. It's really comes down to the United States saying we're going to get a little tougher. We're going to, you know, sanctions, all of that stuff, which is now being talked about again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, let's let's go to that bigger story. And that is uh, you've got uh, Hezbollah in the north. You've got Syria, Turkey. Uh, but Iran on the uh, east and the Palestinian Authority uh, and the Palestinian mm-hmm. Authority. So two, uh, one question before we get into the broader solution. Why is your is your friends over there, people uh, explaining why didn't or aren't they escalating themselves to take advantage of since Israel is putting so much attention on Hamas and Gaza? seems strategically what a great time it would be to just go after them and fight them from all these different fronts why haven't they they haven't why haven't they escalated the war uh i had the impression because i did ask that question i had the impression that that is happening it is it's just there's a lot amassing and there's a lot of activity in those areas they've you know they've moved some soldiers out of the south and up to these other areas you know what gets reported is it's defensive but, you know, he seemed to think, no, this is all part of that strategy. OK, so the poss- are... possibility is that that could escalate further. Yeah, yeah. we think we're, we're led to believe that would be catastrophe and that Israel couldn't handle a, a war on three fronts. And, you know, he seemed to he seemed to think, no, 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 no. This is, you know, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, if you don't mind sharing, um, what are we not hearing you know, in our news sources that that they're hearing in theirs and they're seeing and experiencing. I know you have a unique view having friends over there and there are things that that I feel like we're not privy to um, or we're not getting the full picture of. Yeah, I asked him about his news sources when we were together at lunch a couple of weeks ago, and he said, quite frankly, he gets most of his most important information from Al Jazeera. <laughs> he said it's not what you th- he said it's actually not what you think and it's not what it was he thinks uh all of the western media is worthless <laughs> all of it mm-hmm. same on every side and really uninformed yeah including okay. european news and all of that yeah is he, did he say anything specifically as to what he does know that we aren't hearing at all uh i think i think it was we've talked about it the strength of the conviction their understanding of uh, 
what 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 victory would have to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think also he, he talked a lot about how universal the um, emotional, uh, both shock at the fight and the relentlessness of the ADF. They will not mm-hmm. give up. But also right. how, because um, I've always wondered, did they know this attack was coming? How'd they miss it? And he said, you know, there will be a penalty to pay for how they missed this. That'll come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also, we also said, uh, he, I, I shouldn't attribute this to anyone, but I think there's many in Israel who accept that the hostages are all gone. Yeah, that's, that's, mm. that was another thought of the, at this point, because we don't hear anything about it. Yeah, you were it, con- questioning that recently. That probably yeah. they're not, they're gone, yeah. yeah. And, they're, and so they're not going to be operating their military strategy around can, even though they'll keep trying. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when there's a mine, uh, you know, collapse or something, or after an earthquake, you go through this period of, you know, uh, retrieve and rescue, retrieve and rescue. And, and, and it's so exhausted after a certain amount of time, you finally go to the place of saying, now we're just going to try and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, find the, the, the you know, the, the not the survivors. You're right. no longer looking for survivors. You're looking for those that have perished. So yeah. I think it's kind of like that is, ha- is, is happening. Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of know that in our own minds. But the military actions are not going to be based on do something stupid because you might accidentally kill someone They're They're very right. strict. He said, he said the amount of honesty in their military, it's not like ours. When they have, mm-hmm. a, they have friendly fire and they kill somebody, it's immediately told to everybody and they deal mm-hmm. with it and they know they're going to make mistakes where yeah. we would like, who's going to, who's going to pay for that. They yeah. just, mm-hmm. they have a much bigger sense that that's the nature of yeah. the East. As you think of the bigger issues with Iran and uh, Hezbollah, um, and you said that they they're looking for a bigger solution uh, with a coalition and and what what do they what do they want to try to do? Are they going to try to get the the powers to have Iran and Hezbollah kind of calm down and accept a new paradigm over there, and that will be a, a sense of semi peace? Or are they going to have to do the same thing with them that they, in their mind that they have to go after and eliminate them like they do with Hamas? What, what, what's their perspective on all that? I think they've got a big question about the United States. None of this happens without the United States making it happen. And I, we, you know, we've, ta- we've talked and shared um, what they believe is really going on in all these meetings with the um, defense secretary and the secretary of state that are over there versus what we're told. Um, Mm -hmm. And I believe that, that, that they think the, the, the thing that could blow all this up is the United States. And like this guy who comes to the United States often and speaks to Jews and, and Jews of influence and Christians too, now more and more evangelicals, he says to me, our real friends in America, are the evangelicals. And he wouldn't have said that he's not a, he's not a messianic Jew. He's a, Mm -hmm. But but he's made friends with Messianic Jews like me and others, many, many others in the United States. I think they um, they are looking for who can influence U.S. policy favorably towards this, because I think if the United States falls away, which it hasn't happened yet, you know, even the Biden administration has been surprisingly, you know, friendly and, and consistent on this. Thank God. But I think that could blow the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what would they, 
it, from with their perspective, I'm talking about Israel, what would they like to see happen with Hezbollah and Iran, who, who they know are against them, just like Hamas was? Uh, they're not at the same level of fighting with them, but, but they know that they are. What would they, what would, if they could, what would they like to see happen? Or what, what would they like to see the coalition do? Well, it's, uh, you know, under, under um, Trump, huge sanctions on Iran. And 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 it's it's almost like all the same border arguments, too. It's very clear that what's happening now, appeasement with Iran, if, is if it's not responsible for why this occurred, it certainly, you know, was a major, major input because it wasn't going on before. So I think the hope would be a return to very, very stiff sanctions and real punishment uh, directed at uh, directly at Iran. Because that, that's where all of the money is flowing. And, you know, how do you take how do you stop the flow of money from oil in Iran? It's this is energy policy in the United States. It's how what are you going to do about the, you know, the Red Sea? Are, are you going to create embargoes and try and control the, you know, the, the what is this? You know, the, the uh, Suez Canal. And, you know, are you going to are we going to be so energy sufficient that we can supply the rest of the world? Uh, are we going to go back to, you know, really tough sanctions on Iran that that seems and, and it means you got to deal with Russia, you got to deal with China. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how that's that's not dealt with. And, and my impression is they see that as a hmm. they really they really saw that policy set as much more favorable. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, boy, we got a lot. We got a lot to keep talking about. Uh, maybe Kathy, mm -hmm. we should have uh, Denny as a regular every uh, month or two because <laughs> uh, we catch up. it's very helpful. It's fascinating. It's to very hear helpful, us, yeah. Denny, because it gives us it answers some basic things, and it'll be interesting to watch uh, how this starts to play out and see if if what does come together, what doesn't come together. Um, Ultimately, and we'll, and we'll have you back and talk more about this, is that uh, obviously Israel survives because they're, they're, they're there mm -hmm. at the very end in the, the scriptures, but uh, the world does come against Israel. So, right. <laughs> so I, we want to bring you at back. At some and, point and it we, will tip, we wanna, yeah. We want to talk about is that, you know, and the Saudis and, and Egypt and Jordan and uh, UAB, and they're all actually wanting to just things settle down and just be fine economically let's just get together um, but ultimately they they come against Israel and and I'd like to we'd like to talk to you about hmm. what do you potentially see as why would that if they if they do move to some uh, let's say a coalition that is favorable what what would cause that to go the other direction which is going to happen hmm. you know and so those are some of the questions we want to bring you back and and talk to you about because uh, I think I think you knowing the scriptures, uh, you know, can can give thought to that, and and we, we we'd love we'd love to hear what you have to say. So, Absolutely, so, yeah, uh, it's been fascinating having you on here. Thank you for yeah. sharing your insight and just you have a unique unique perspective and and even just relationships, there, connections that can offer insight that we don't have access to otherwise. No. So I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, thank you so much, Denny. Uh, we pray over you and pray, Father, that you would bless. Uh, Denny and uh, and this phase of life that he's in with Allie and his kids and uh, thank you for his uh, using his heritage and his interest and his ability to be connected to uh, understand these things and then to communicate that with us 
and we have a lot more to learn and to understand, and it is helping us get perspective on what is happening and what is going to happen. And so I just pray that you give him favor and uh, insight and continued uh, revelation that we can receive. And we praise you and, and pray blessing over him in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to our listeners. If you have questions, send them in to us at questions at abideministries.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Yep. We'll see you then. Thanks, Denny. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by All for Jesus Living Waters Ministry. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.